All right. Glad that you're with us uh, this evening. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time of study. Our Lord, we would uh, behold the Lord Jesus uh, in his glory. Fill us, Lord, with a earnest desire to, to know thee, uh, to grow in thee, that we would not simply want to know about thee, uh, but with all of our heart we would want to know thee and to commune with thee through the Lord Jesus. And so we ask, illuminate our minds and our understanding, give to us of thy spirit, for uh, it is the Holy Spirit that opens our, our minds to behold our Savior in all his glory. Cleanse us of our sins as we, as we approach thee. In Jesus' name, amen. portion that we're focusing on this evening is John 16 verses 23 to the end of the chapter. I'm going to pick up reading though at verse 16. So I'm going to begin reading at John 16, 16. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while, we cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. 
at that day ye shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I, am, I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So this is uh, the Lord's farewell speech, uh, if you would um, care to refer to it as that way. Uh, the Lord is basically saying to his disciples in chapter 16 the things that he wants to leave with them before he goes to the cross. You know, usually that which one considers to be very, very important is what one says to loved ones on their dying bed. Uh, they don't uh, usually, uh, I think, unless they're really just not thinking rightly, usually we say what we want our loved ones to remember uh, when we're on our deathbed. Jesus, again, is not on his deathbed, but he is about to die. He's about to go to the cross. And so the words that he leaves with them here are very important. He says uh, to them that, uh, and in preparing them for his leaving and his departure from them, that he says in a little while he would leave them, and then in a little while he would see them again. And we talked about this a little bit last time. What is the little while in which he would leave them? Most likely that's when he ascended into heaven. Uh, and the little while then in which he would see them again would be most likely at their death um, when they see the Lord uh, face to face in heaven. And we noted that uh, last time and just to um, remind us the little whiles of the Lord seem like a great while um, the little whiles uh, he said he was going to be gone for a little while well that for most of the disciples that was not you know tomorrow the next day but uh, that was again going to be a number of years before he would see them again uh, because most of them didn't die within the week, um, you know, after the Lord died and was raised from the dead. They lived for a few years, some of them many years after uh, Christ 
died upon the cross, and yet the Lord calls that a little while. And it's helpful for us, I think, to remember that the only way that the, the uh, great whiles in our life um, become little whiles in our life is through faith and hope in Christ. As long as our eye is upon the circumstances around us, as long as we're focused upon the trials, the tribulations, uh, the things going on in this life, uh, we're, we're kind of looking at the clock or looking at our watch uh, and timing it. This, this is not a little while in our estimation. This is a long time that I've been going through this. But the Lord wants to remind us here uh, that those great whiles that we go through in, in this life can indeed become a little while. If our eyes are not upon the circumstances, we, we see them, we know them, but if that's not where our help is coming from, we're not looking to the circumstances to be our salvation, to our deliverance, but we're looking to the Lord Jesus and his promises. That's how the great whiles in this life become little whiles. That's how we have peace and contentment even in the midst of what may, in our judgment, be a great while. That's how it becomes a little while. Picking up now with a new portion of John 16, beginning with verse 23, the Lord Jesus says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, what or whatsoever ye shall ask the Father, my name, he will give it you. In that day, what day is Jesus talking about? Well, most likely he's talking about the day uh, in which he will ascend into heaven. And at that point, uh, Jesus says that the disciples will no longer ask him they will not ask him anything, or he says, ye shall ask me nothing. What, what is the Lord saying? That once he's in heaven, they won't uh, ask the Lord to come to him in prayer, um, beseech him, seek uh, his help any longer? I, I think what the Lord Jesus is saying is that you're, you'll not ask me as you have asked me while I've been here among you in, uh, in my body ministering to you because I will be in heaven. You won't ask me in the same way that you asked me here. Um, he's, he's preparing them again for the time in which he will not be with them bodily. Uh, and again, they say later on in this chapter, they finally understand what he's talking about, but he's been preparing them. They've been with him for over three years, every day, uh, spending time with him, uh, except the times perhaps in which they were sent out two by two to minister to um, those uh, in uh, Israel, in Judea and Galilee. They, they have spent much time with the Lord, and now he's saying, basically, I'm leaving. 
And he says, you're not going to ask of me anything uh, as you presently ask of me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So you're going to be directing your, your prayers to the Father, but praying in my name. He says in verse 24, up to this point, hitherto, you have asked nothing in my name. Uh, they've just gone directly to Jesus when they had a particular request, uh, petition, when they needed to know something, uh, they just went directly to him to, to talk with him uh, and to ask him whatever was on their minds. Uh, that's how uh, close the relationship was that they had with the Lord Jesus. But uh, things are going to change. Uh, the Lord is going to be in heaven. He's going to be interceding for them. That when they direct their prayers to the Father, he will be interceding on their behalf. Those prayers will be directed to the Father, but he will take those prayers and through his work on the cross, he will purify those prayers. He will make those prayers presentable uh, to the Father. Uh, that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. He says, you will ask up to this point, you've not asked anything in my name, but then you'll ask in my name. To ask in Jesus' name doesn't mean at the end of a prayer, merely that we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, nothing wrong, obviously, with saying in Jesus' name, but it's, there's, it's not a magical formula. Uh, it's not just something that we, we add at the end like a rabbit's foot uh, or something like that is superstitious. Um, it is to pray in Jesus' name is to pray uh, in his will, according to his will. It is to pray uh, according to his work upon the cross for us. It is to pray in who he is, that he is fully God and fully man. Uh, to pray in his name is to pray um, entirely as to who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us. So if we simply utter words without thinking that in praying in Jesus' name it, uh, is simply to utter certain words but not to have any meaning associated with those words, what that means, it is to pray again through Christ as our mediator, as our intercessor, as the one who is fully God and man, again, who has uh, died upon the cross for our sins, to cleanse us and to receive our prayers, to perfect those prayers, to present them as holy unto the Lord. Uh, that is what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, when I ascend into heaven, you will pray in my name. You'll, you'll be praying to the Father, but, and I'll be presenting those prayers to the Father. But, uh, but you will be then praying in my name, which you have not done up to this point, because I've been here ministering to you in body. But then it will be different. <clears throat> uh, 
When Jesus says, and one other thing in verse 23, Jesus says, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. I just wanted to comment on that. Uh, this is not an unqualified asking for whatever we desire uh, to uh, ask the Father through the name of Christ and that it will be given to us. Most likely what Jesus is talking about in this particular context is asking questions. You remember we just read that they were disputing or asking among themselves, what does Jesus mean by a little while? Uh, they didn't understand that. Well, they could ask him right there, um, because he was, he was uh, there with them in body. They could ask him, what do you mean by a little while? Well, Jesus is now saying, I'm not going to be with you so that you can simply ask me as you have asked me. I will be at the right hand of the Father. And yet, if you ask anything in my name, uh, I will give it to you. In other words, I will answer your questions. I will, uh, the things that you are inquiring about, and I think he's, again, talking about matters related to doctrine, to worship, to church government, things of a, uh, that type of a nature. Uh, they had uh, just previously question something he had said. So when we read God's word, uh, and as the apostles read, they had the Old Testament, they didn't have the New Testament, but as they had questions, Jesus is saying to them, uh, you can ask of me, and I will answer your prayers. I will give you understanding of my truth. That's That, I think, is uh, the qualification within the context. It's not just an unqualified uh, whatever, you know, pleases you, whatever, you know, you want in this world, just ask me and I'll give it to you if you pray in my name. That's not what the Lord Jesus is uh, saying. Uh, the apostles never used that, those words of Christ in that way, even though many today will take the Lord's words out of context and they will use it in that way. That in context is not what Jesus was talking about. This was related to questions that the disciples would have after he ascended into heaven about the truth, that they could direct their questions. And the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would come in his place, uh, would give to the disciples the truth. He would lead and guide them, Jesus said, into all truth. They would be the depository of God's truth. They would have that truth and record it without any error in scripture. And so let us 
again be reminded to pray in Jesus name means that we're not heard by the Father because of who we are in ourselves we're not heard by the Father and he does not answer our prayers because we have reached a certain height of holiness or righteousness or something of that nature. We are heard for Christ's sake because Jesus prays and intercedes for us, because it's his righteousness imputed to us. It's in his name for his sake that we are heard. All glory belongs unto the Lord Jesus not unto us and so when God answers our prayers how often do we think well that must mean I've really done a great job or, or something like that we have a way of kind of turning um, things around uh, in such a way that we we receive the glory we we pat ourselves as it were on the back that our prayers were answered uh, that's that's again um, taking the credit from the Lord Jesus and placing that credit into our own account um, but we are heard and that's what again it means in Jesus name we are heard for Christ's sake uh, in fact, we are loved by God for Christ's sake. We are elected from all eternity for Christ's sake. We are justified, declared righteous. Our sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. We are adopted into the family of God for Christ's sake. We are sanctified for Christ's sake. We are glorified when we die and perfected in holiness to be with the Lord forever for Christ's sake. Every blessing we receive in this life of a spiritual and of a material nature is for Christ's sake. We are instructed and guided in the truth for Christ's sake. We are disciplined, corrected by God for Christ's sake. Everything is for the sake and for the glory of Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. And again, um, that even as answering our prayers when we have questions when we have concerns whatever we direct to the Lord and he hears us he hears us he answers our prayers for who Jesus is and we are only heard because we are in Christ in Christ united to Christ joined to Christ that's why he hears us Jesus says that your joy may be full at the end of verse 24 and you shall receive that your joy may be full. It tends to uh, tell us that there are degrees of joy. 
that your joy may be full. So, you know, that's one degree. I, uh, I, I want my joy to be full. I don't know about you. I, <laughs> I, I don't want a lesser level of joy. I don't want the least amount of joy in my, in my vessel, um, in my glass, as it were, my cup. I want my cup running over. Um, and uh, the, the Lord here is telling us, I think, there are degrees of joy that we uh, may receive as Christians, uh, just as there are degrees of peace that we may receive as Christians, or degrees of contentment that we may receive, or degrees of holiness. Uh, we're not all at the same spot you know, place in our growth in Jesus Christ. And um, if we're satisfied with just, you know, uh, that much joy, but, and we don't want any more joy uh, than, than that, well, that's probably where we're going to stay. Um, but again, uh, if we have a desire to have uh, not, not only uh, the minimum amount of joy, but if we want our joy full, if we want our peace full, if we want our contentment full, if we want that cup, as I said, running over, uh, then, then the Lord Jesus says that we must see him as the one uh, that does supply that joy uh, and must understand that uh, our access to the Father comes through Him. Everything depends upon Him. Our communion um, with God depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's how, again, our joy is full. Uh, not, uh, not because, again, uh, our our eyes upon, are upon and focused upon only the circumstances, the troubles, the trials, but our joy is full in coming to Christ. Uh, him bearing our burdens, casting all our cares upon Him. Verse 25, Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, or another word, uh, uh, word there to translate would be parables. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, or parables, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. So Lord Jesus uh, says that he has been speaking to them to some degree. I, I think that he has been very plain in many ways. Uh, to the disciples and what he's said about his departing and they have not understood uh, but he has spoken about a woman who's in travail has sorrow because her hour has come but as soon as she is delivered of the child she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world so there is a, a proverb or a parable there but most of what Jesus has said here, uh, he's speaking, it seems like, pretty, uh, pretty plainly. But they're just not understanding. They're not comprehending 
what he is telling them about his departure. And so uh, it may be more that it sounds like parable or it sounds like a proverb to the disciples because they're just not understanding what he's saying rather than that he's that he's speaking only in parables and proverbs to them that they're just not getting it so it sounds like to them uh, as if what he's saying is just filled with mystery um, just cloudiness you know uh, they can't see clearly what he's what he's saying Perhaps at uh, times uh, what you hear uh, in a sermon or in a Bible study like this may sound like a parable or a proverb uh, to you uh, because not that I'm speaking necessarily in proverbs or parables but because the doctrine perhaps that that is being discussed, the truth that is being discussed, uh, may be one that you've not really thought through or wrestled with or come to grips or to, to understand uh, in, in a way that really profits you and benefits you, edifies you, builds you up. Uh, it appears the disciples were in that particular kind of a situation right there. They weren't comprehending what Jesus was saying to them. Uh, but my encouragement to you, uh, when that happens, is not to give up. That's our tendency. If we can't understand something, if it doesn't, in the way at the moment that we hear it if it doesn't make sense our tendency very often is just to say well that's over my head or or um, I'm too young to understand you know I'm a child or I'm too new in the faith or um, you know to basically brush it off rather than to say um, I don't uh, to confess I don't understand what was just said, but I want to understand what was said. Uh, if it's a doctrine, if it's a practice that is being taught or preached upon, uh, again, don't get discouraged. Don't allow the enemy, that's what the enemy would want you to do, is to become discouraged and just say, I don't understand that. That's out of my league, or, or to make some type of a statement to that effect. Um, ask questions. The disciples ask questions uh, here. Ask questions. If you don't understand something, uh, press on. Understand and go with what you do. Um, take from what was said. Take and glean everything you can from what was said. And pray and ask the Lord to give you understanding, the Holy Spirit to enlighten your mind. As I said, come to me. You, 
it's like again within within a family as our children are very young and they're just beginning to talk learn to talk they're not understanding everything that that you're saying they understand more maybe uh, than what they can verbalize but you are adding day by day by day uh, to their knowledge uh, do you want your child to say well I don't in, in effect to, to say to themselves well I don't understand what you're saying so I'm not going to pay any attention to anything else that you say we don't want our children to do that we then as God's children ought not to do that we need to again build build and build what we do know don't throw it out but add knowledge to knowledge a little here a little there precept line upon line precept upon precept growing that's what the Christian life is all about growing so don't get discouraged some some may be of the mind that the minister should preach at a grade, uh, grade school level of understanding to everybody in, in the congregation. Um, I need to preach and teach in such a way that as much as within my ability uh, is there to to simplify doctrines difficult doctrines even to simplify and uh, by way of making it understandable but I, I i should not want to throw out the discussion and the teaching of doctrine and just focus upon practice you know practical Christian living I should teach doctrine I should teach things that are what Paul calls the meat of the word not just give milk and again pray that God's Spirit opens your mind helps me to communicate in such a way that you want to learn that you want to grow in your Christian walk and so just an encouragement uh, to press on if you don't understand something ask questions if you don't understand something pray ask the Lord to help you if you don't understand something don't get discouraged Press on, press on, because you want to grow. You want to learn as much as you can. The more you learn, the more that Jesus Christ becomes more glorious, more beautiful in your sight. The more that you love the Lord, the more you understand who he is and how glorious he is. Verse 
verses 26 through 27. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out, of, out from God. When Jesus says, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, uh, Jesus is not saying that he will not pray for us uh, as we bring our prayers uh, uh, through him to the Father. Uh, again, uh, the Lord is basically trying to help us to understand it's, it's not simply him uh, that loves us, that is kindly disposed to us. The Father loves us as his children. Uh, he is compassionate. Sometimes, again, uh, because of maybe certain things we have read, certain preconceptions that we have, uh, something that we have heard from somebody, we get this idea that Jesus is the compassionate one, the Father is the mean one. Jesus is trying to say to us, um, the Father, bring your prayers to the Father. What you are asking, bring to the Father. I'm going to be interceding, Jesus is saying, but don't be afraid to come to the Father. He loves you. He cares for you. Uh, you see, it's not just Jesus that saves us. It is the Father. It is the Son. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God that saves us, our triune God. It's the Father who, who chose us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It's the Father who sent Jesus into the world. He gave his only begotten Son that we might have life. It is the Father, he that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all. That's the Father. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's what the Lord Jesus seems to be emphasizing here when he says, And I say not unto you that I pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you. So again, and he loves us before we loved him, but he also loves us, verse 27, because we have loved him, because he says, ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. And so there, there is this reciprocal love. We love him because he first loved us, but when we love him, then again, he showers us more and more with his love. And then as we receive his love and show that love to him, it, it's just a continual cycle that's going on. That seems to be what the Lord is saying. And I want to keep that cycle going. Uh, I don't want to see that love damned up. Uh, you know, uh, I want to see it continue uh, to flow. Uh, and again, the blessings of God do indeed flow as we continue to grow in our love, our understanding. Uh, we, we cannot 
again, grow in our love without growing in our understanding of who God is and what he's done because that's why we love him. The more we understand who he is, how great, mighty, and yet how God has condescended to love us in spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion. That's, again, that love that's been planted in our hearts that, as to who he is and what he's done. That's how we grow in love, by understanding who God is, understanding, reading his word, being filled with that knowledge of who the Lord Jesus is. That's how we come to understand and see that he's beautiful, that we want to be like him. How can we want to be like someone we don't know? How can we want to be like someone that we have no knowledge of? And so that's why it's important that we grow. That's why, we, that's why it's so important that we gain knowledge of who God is. Because we can't become like someone we don't know. <clears throat> Verse 28 says, the Lord Jesus says, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world again, or into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So again, this is the Lord's farewell. Uh, when he says, I came from the Father, I came into the world, and again, I'm leaving the world to go to my Father. This is his farewell. Jesus is saying, I completed all that the Father uh, gave me to do in rescuing and redeeming, saving. There is hope uh, in the words of the Lord Jesus. He, he knew where he, he, uh, where he was going. He knew from where he had come. He had come from the Father. And he was going back to be with the Father. There was hope in his words. Even though he's about to suffer as no man has ever suffered, uh, nevertheless, uh, his words are filled with hope. What is hope? Uh, the way we typically use hope, you know, I hope it doesn't rain today, uh, or whatever, you know, wishful thinking that we might have, that's, that's basically how the world and how we, even in our own language, use the word hope. It, it's kind of a a wishful thought, something we uh, hope, something we wish that uh, might happen. But that's quite contrary to what the Bible means by hope. The Bible means by hope not something that is just mere wishful thinking. Uh, the Bible means by hope a confident, certain, certain expectation. It's something that is going to happen. That's biblical hope. And why do, how can we have biblical hope? Well, because we're not looking at circumstances, the darkness that we see around us, but we are looking to the Lord that does not change. Everything around us is subject to change. Relationships, possessions, governments, in the world, um, natural disasters, wars, everything's subject to change. 
we're subject to, uh, subject to change. Um, we're all aging, and uh, so we're all subject to change. But God's not subject to change. His promises are not subject to change. When our hope is upon the things of this world, it's mere wishful thinking. When our hope is in God and in his promise, it's not mere wishful thinking. It's believing and hoping in that which cannot change. That being the Lord, he cannot change and he brings to pass all that he has said that he would do. And so, again, the Lord and his words, I came from the Father, and again, I leave the world to go to the Father. Uh, that's not mere wishful thinking on his part. That's hope. He knows where he's going. Again, that's what we need as Christians. Not a little bit of hope. We need to be growing in hope because as we grow in hope, that confident, certain expectation that what God has promised, he will bring to pass, uh, it will change the way we view this world and life and the circumstances that we're in, fears uh, will pass uh, from us. Um, Everything changes when we have biblical hope. Verses 29 through 30, the Lord Jesus says, or the disciples actually, his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest from God. Now this is uh, very interesting. All of the disciples <laughs> at the same time, not one of them uh, pipes up and says, now I understand. All of them at the same time say, I now, we now understand what you're saying. Now that seems um, like something that's beyond ordinary or common, the fact that they now all understood that Jesus was saying, I'm leaving you. I'm departing. I'm leaving this world and I'm going back to be with my Father. And all of a sudden, the light turns on in all of their minds at the same time. Um, it's not as though one said, I see, and this is why I see, and the next one said, oh, I see what you're saying, and, and then you know, pass that nod. No, they all saw and understood at the same time. That, again, I submit to you, uh, is the work of the Holy Spirit uh, that uh, brought about that which was a mystery to them, speaking in Proverbs and parables to them that they didn't really understand, yeah, even a few minutes earlier. But now they all can say, we understand what you're saying. <clears throat> uh, 
I think that this, uh, as I said, is a, a miraculous testimony uh, that was given to them that they all understood at the same time in order to build their faith and in order to uh, cause them to see before the Lord Jesus ascends into heaven to leave them bodily uh, that, uh, that this, this type of uh, uh, illumination and understanding that fell upon all of them at the same time was a way in which the Lord did build their faith and understanding uh, that this was God, this was his work. And may we, uh, each one, may we never allow uh, that clarity of illumination where a few minutes before we may have said in a sermon or a Bible study or in your own reading of God's word, some commentary you're reading. Don't take it for granted. Don't consider it to be just common and ordinary where you did not understand a few minutes before a truth, but then the lights go on and you understand. That's not common, that's not ordinary. That's the work of the Holy Spirit and you need, again, as the disciples needed to say, we now understand. We understand what you, what you meant, Lord. Let us give praise and thanksgiving because that happens in all the lives of all God's children in various truths that we've come to understand. We didn't, we didn't begin um, with all of the truth that we presently have now, today, at this moment, I didn't. I have grown over the years from a lot of er out of a lot of errors. And the Lord was turning on the light at various points in my life and things that I didn't understand, he gave me understanding. Some of them are, are major doctrines significant doctrines, practices in worship. Some of them are more practical in nature, practical understanding of how to apply his truth to my life that I didn't practice or didn't understand. So again, I just encourage you, don't take for granted the work of the Holy Spirit in opening your heart and your mind. Um, that's that's a special blessing, a special blessing. Verses 31 through 32, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone. <clears throat> because the Father is with me. So the Lord Jesus uh, says to them, do you now believe? Now I don't think the Lord is saying to, to them, you don't really believe. Uh, you're just saying 
that you believe. I don't think that he's questioning whether they, whether they believe or not. I think that he asked them that question, do you now believe? I think it's more for the purpose of warning them not to be overconfident, thinking that this new understanding that God has given to them is something in which they would themselves boast in, that they would take credit for and glory for. He's warning them, do you, do you, you know, now believe, is, is this something you have come to uh, yourself embrace uh, as opposed to the Holy Spirit giving you this insight? I think that he is cautioning them uh, because of what he just says in verse 32, he's cautioning them that their faith and coming to understand what he was saying about him leaving to be with the Father and they would then not have him bodily with them any longer, that understanding that they have just now professed to have come to is going to be tried and tested by way of uh, the Lord's arrest, which will happen in chapter 18, uh, and the Lord's um, suffering and his crucifixion, his burial. Uh, they're professing, we now understand that you are going to leave to go with the Father. It's going to be tested, that truth, uh, by way of what they're about to go through. And so the Lord is, I think, telling them, uh, do you really believe? Because you're about to be tested. Don't, don't just rest uh, in uh, your own confidence here. Uh, uh, because uh, this, is, this is going to be a trial. And I, I will just say this. I think as we draw uh, to near to the uh, end of our time, very often when we come to embrace something that we didn't see before, that God... Uh, illuminates our mind to understand a truth, a practice in worship, uh, something uh, by way of God's commandments or the gospel or, or something, uh, as I said, of a more practical nature. When we come to understand something that we didn't understand before, you can almost count on the fact that you will be tested in that area that uh, through relationships, through trials, through situations that will come into your life, you'll be tested. Uh, the devil will seek to shake that from you by way of what you go through. The Lord will seek to use that, that will be his purpose, to strengthen your grip around that truth, to hold to it more firmly. What the apostles were about to go through, where they would be scattered and there in the Garden of Gethsemane, that again was used was intended by the devil to shake their confidence that he was the Son of God, that that he was ascending into heaven from where where he had come, because he now. 
how is this? He's going, he's, he's taken, he's being arrested? Uh, what is happening now? Um, but again, it was used by the Lord uh, to strengthen their faith and their confidence uh, in him. That all of this was according to his design, his purpose. So again, growth in Christ and in the knowledge of Christ doesn't mean we're going to have an easy road the more that we learn, the more that we attain uh, to by way of understanding. Uh, quite frankly, the more I've learned, it's not gotten easier uh, by way of, by way of uh, uh, trials and tribulations in this life. The more I've learned, it's become more difficult. Uh, and um, I wouldn't part for a second, though, with any of the truth that God has taught me. Because it has made him more beautiful in my sight, in my eyes, in my heart. My, my love has grown deeper, but it hasn't made my life easier. And I doubt that you know, your growth in Christ is going to make your life easier. Uh, Jesus is saying that. This isn't going to make things easy. Uh, and that's what he's telling the disciples. In verse 33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, again, he assures them um, that though they will be scattered, the Father will be with him, with Jesus. He's not alone, even though they are scattered from him. Yeah. And uh, that Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, has overcome the world. The, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all of our enemies have been overcome. So that we might have peace with God, so that we might have peace of mind. Uh, that we might be able to cast all our cares upon him. And uh, again, uh, Jesus says, uh, don't be distraught. Uh, don't be fallen to despair. Don't give up. Don't uh, allow hopelessness to overcome you uh, when tribulation comes. Uh, he says, be of good cheer. Um, in other words, uh, uh, be happy, be joyful. Uh, uh, you're not the ones who have lost the battle. Um, Jesus says, I've already overcome all of your enemies. Trust me. And uh, because I've overcome the world. So there, therein is our peace is found in Jesus. Um, our peace is not in trying to find that which is more, most comfortable uh, in this world, most pleasing to us. Nothing wrong with trying to find that which is comfortable uh, in and of itself, but if we have to sacrifice uh, that which is right, true, and faithful to the Lord in order to gain comfort, um, uh, in order to gain um, relationships, that we have to sacrifice that which is right and faithful and true, then uh, we won't have peace with God. We won't have uh, a peace of heart and mind. We may escape certain uh, situations in life, uh, even temporarily, 
uh, by running, but we don't ultimately um, escape them uh, because they, uh, we can't outrun, again, uh, our problems. Uh, we can't outrun uh, wherever we go. We're going to find people that are difficult, um, ourselves, that, you know, uh, our own problems are going to follow us wherever we go. Our own sins are going to follow us. Um, but uh, again, uh, casting all our cares on Him, uh, trusting in Him, hoping in Him uh, is, again, the way that we have peace. Let's uh, stand and ask the Lord's blessing on what we have uh, read and what the Holy Spirit has taught us this evening. Our Lord, what a joy it is to learn from Thee, from Thy Spirit. And though we cannot ask Thee questions, Lord uh, Jesus, uh, uh, in a way in which we can see Thee uh, in Thy body, and nevertheless we can uh, ask questions and receive answers uh, through the Holy Spirit who has been given in thy place. Uh, thou didst send the Holy Spirit to take up thy ministry here upon the earth. And uh, so our questions will be answered as we continue, Lord, to seek thy face and to seek thy truth and to walk in thy ways. We ask, Lord, uh, give to us that grace not to give up, press on, to ever be those who want to learn and grow in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <laughs>